Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. gorgeous people and welcome back or welcome to the being better podcast if this is your first time joining us thanks so much for tuning in i'm julia and it is my job to find ways in which we can become wiser healthier kinder and more compassionate towards others and ourselves and i do that through reading various research or experimenting with different practices and also by talking to experts from all kinds of backgrounds whose amazing experiences and insights can provide help on that journey. And my guest today is no exception. Amanda McLaughlin is here, everybody, and I couldn't be more excited about it. You know her from shows like Spirits, which is a boozy dive into mythology, legends and folklore, and Join the Party, which is a role-playing podcast based on the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. Her journey started with co-hosting the Spirits podcast with Julia Schaffini, which was so successful that it allowed Amanda to quit her job in finance and work full-time as a podcaster. She's now the CEO and founder of Multitude, which is an independent podcast collective and production company, which you're going to hear more about in this episode. Amanda was also listed in Forbes 30 Under 30 for her work with Multitude and also for dedicating so many of her resources and her time to helping other creators make a living by making great stuff online. On the Multitude website, you can find a lot of guides and articles and other resources for anyone interested in putting themselves out there on the internet and wanting to monetize that. But apart from all of that, Amanda is just a beautiful soul and I'm very happy that you get to hear our conversation about the reality of becoming self-employed, her advice on turning a passion into a career, the queer energy and representation in media, the benefits of therapy, other mental health practices that help her. And there are so, so many more smaller pieces of advice sprinkled throughout the whole interview. So I am very excited about this episode. I don't want to keep you anymore from listening to it. So without further ado, here's me fangirling over Amanda McLaughlin. Enjoy! So, hello, Amanda. I don't know why I'm singing. I feel like you kind of make me want to sing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wonderful compliment. Thank you. I've been watching some of your videos before I think you kind of your, you know, YouTube videos because I think you popped up because I was looking for spirits online. I don't know. And I've realized that you have something like you make me want to smile. Your, your... I don't know, I guess it's again that what we were talking about yesterday, that vulnerability is attractive and in your in your videos, you've always been very vulnerable with the audience. And I guess that is, I don't know, that is attractive for me. That makes me want to sing and, and be happy, I guess. 
Thank you. I, I think that's one of the real kind of gifts of being a creator is when you put something of yourself out there, like people are so generous and so kind and they'll write in and say, well, this reminded me of this thing or, you know, write in with encouragement. I shared, you know, a few weeks ago that I was going through um, a, a tough few weeks and someone sent me just like links to cute Instagrams of like plants and animals. And I was like, God, this is so thoughtful. Um, so I, you know, I hope that by putting it out there, even if somebody is not, you know, able to put that to words in their own life, like I, you know, I got a lot of, um, inspiration and uh, guidance out of other people talking about mental health struggles or coming out or family problems. And I don't know, it's just it, it means so much when you hear somebody talking about something that helps you put that to words for yourself. So, yeah. um, you know, if I can do that for others, then that's, you know, that's a pretty good day at work. Yeah. And you've been doing it for a while, right? I mean, being an online creator is something for you that I think you were like the first ones to discover YouTube. Yeah, I was in sort of the first wave of uh, YouTube video bloggers. I made my first video in, I think, 2007 um, or eight Ooh, when I was like, OG I, I was generation. 15 or 16. Um, so <laughs> when you know, my parents growing up had no, you know, I was unsupervised on the internet. I did all kinds of like, uh, you know, role playing Neo boards, uh, Neopets boards and like Gaia online and girl.com. <laughs> uh, we didn't have Club Penguin back then, but, you know, all, all the places that uh, young people pretended to be 18 and like, you know, did like uh, live role play Star Trek fan fiction. Uh, that's what I was doing. But I was very lucky oh to kind God. of grow up at the time where it's, it's such a vibe. Yeah, I, I completely, you know, constantly am realizing how much kind of growing up in fandom um, and as like a fanfic writer has shaped me as like a person and a professional. Um, but it was very lucky to be a teenager and have YouTube beginning where it wasn't anything like it was today. <laughs> but instead, you were able to, for the first time, you know, see other people like in their rooms, you know, like laughing and, you know, hear what their voices were like. And it was just so much more personal than getting to know somebody over, you know, a forum um, message. So it was pretty amazing. And, you know, looking back, would I let my 16 year old make YouTube videos? I don't know. Uh, but it's, you know, it's something that I've always done so um it's you know it's the only life that i know yeah i guess now letting your 16 year old would be different because i think the space is different and you know at the beginning it used to be like so small and so niche you know the fanfic or something and i feel like right now everyone is seeing you and you know at the beginning if you were into running you would only and you made the videos about running that was who watched you and now i think those kind of niche sections are kind of blurring together i guess um uh, but also i guess we are you know talking and chatting about your past and i guess that there are some people who might have not come across you or spirits for some reason which if you do please it's go a big internet and out there find it's okay. spirits and add that to your queue um but for those of the listeners who haven't heard about you um would you give us a quick you know bio basically what you do and what has brought you to um at this point 
Absolutely. So my name is Amanda McLaughlin. I run the Multitude Podcast Collective and Production Studio, which is uh, basically, it's like a podcast network, but all of our shows are owned by their hosts. And we're a bunch of friends who came together uh, originally to help one another as we launched podcasts. And now it's grown into, we have an office here in Brooklyn, New York. Um, We have a bunch of other shows that are members of the collective and then other folks that we help out by doing like ad sales or consulting or helping them to produce podcasts and some companies that we make shows for. For as well uh, to help pay the bills. Um, and, you know, I had a somewhat of a weird career. I, uh, you know, I'm from New York, I got a degree in English, I worked in finance for a few years, um, and then at a startup. And I was able to, after starting my first podcast, Spirits, with Julia Shafini and Eric Schneider um, in 2016, it's a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore, uh, that Julia and I, as, you know, best friends since kindergarten, started when we both moved back to the same city. Um, and that was a, you know, a, a passion project on nights and weekends for like three years um, until it grew enough and we made some money through Patreon and I started selling ads for the show. Um, and it was at a point where I could quit my day job and focus on, you know, growing multitude and helping other creators make a living. So now that's what I get to do uh, with my partner, Eric Silver, who's the head of creative um, here at Multitude and uh, our colleague, Brandon Grugel as the head of production. So we are the full-time employees and then, you know, all of the members of the collective, there's like eight shows now and counting, um, you know, are all all podcasters who get to make a living doing internet stuff, uh, which is kind of the the best. And, you know, when I can come yeah, to work and help dream, somebody else make money as a creator, you know, that's what gets yeah. me out of bed every day. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, you have been very, I mean, let's just say it, you've been very successful with uh, the multitude. And I think it's so awesome. And, um, you know, I think, like, was it this year that you were Forbes 30 under 30 because I mean let's I mean I have to say that you're my guest and I'm impressed by it and I think this is something to be very proud of Thank you. It was at the end of 2020 um, that I made the list. And I got to tell you, all that it's done so far is I get a lot of emails from like venture capitalists wanting to be <laughs> like, hey, do you want to like raise your seed money? And I'm like, no, I'm a small business. So uh, that it, it is a huge honor. Uh, and it was very fun. And my grandparents were very proud of me, um, you know, which was very exciting. But uh, it's, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Like it's, it's weird to make a living as a creator because there's such a, um, a difference between between like your day-to-day life sometimes and what people see of you on the internet. Um, so like, you know, I'm, I feel my, I'm very fortunate that I have healthcare, which in the U S we have to, uh, to worry about paying for yeah, and, yeah. you know, a, a job where during the pandemic, even though, you know, our ad money dried up, you know, quite severely, um, our audience really came through and, you know, gave us more money to each of our podcasts via Patreon. Um, so it's, you know, it's pretty amazing to be able to make a living, you know, making your own thing and not have to work at like Spotify or a giant company uh, in podcasts in particular. So, you know, just trying to figure it out. And I, I very much see myself as like running a small business and helping other creators make a living. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not out here trying to, you know, scale and, and do all the kind of startup yeah. tech language. I don't I don't think I mean, maybe those kind of venture capitalists think that but I apart from them, I think no one thinks of you that way. And I think we just we as audience, uh, which, of course, I'm a big fan. I think we just see you as someone who, you know, had their career in finance as many other, but then did something, had a passion project and that passion project grew into something very large and brought 
a community together and that turned into something that a lot of people also benefited from and I think we see you as kind of you know this this starter this leader the CEO of something that a lot of people enjoy so yeah I don't want to I don't want to you know uh, sound like a you know suck up <laughs> to someone and uh, but no. yeah I feel like uh, that's oh and you talking about you know you being great uh, which I don't I don't want to be that kind of interviewer we're just like but I really I'm really happy that you're here thank you um and because of that I want to ask you about your recommendation for us and to anyone new here um we each week on the being better podcast talk about well a recommendation if it's a solo episode then I recommend something and if there is a guest on the show they can recommend something to the listeners that they've recently found enjoyable or thought-provoking or funny or something that brought them joy or insight so what could be your recommendation to us this week yes I found this book the upward spiral workbook to be very, very helpful, uh, depression and anxiety. And um, in sometimes with those things, there's a lot of kind of like, you know, advice that people give like, oh, it's great to like get sunshine or like do exercise or meditate. Like there, there's lots of things that you can work on. But particularly, I think when you're you're sort of like overwhelmed, and you're not sure where to start, it can feel like all of that is out of your reach. So I think that that workbook does a very good job of kind of like breaking down into individual parts, like what actually can you do right now today, um, you know, to help yourself start feeling a little bit better and gets into the kind of like chemistry and science behind uh, depression specifically. So the upward spiral workbook, um, I found to be very helpful. I didn't read this is like the workbook version. I didn't read the the main book, the sort of research that it's based on, but just going through the workbook, writing things down, they have you like color in the parts of the brain to help you learn it. Ooh. Oh, um, that's so nice. And it, yeah, it feels like homework in the best way where it's like, I don't know, I can't like learn all of French today, but I can like learn these five, you know, vocabulary words. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like adult coloring books are underrated and also jigsaw puzzles, which I think all of my listeners are sick of me talking about jigsaw puzzles. I also love I jigsaw puzzles. All the time. I had like a brief last year during um, winter. I had like a small obsession um which was brief but I just keep coming back to that I feel like it's so great I love them a lot I have lots and lots of puzzles um at home and I actually during uh, the last year built more shelving in my uh in my uh, like spare room for my puzzles <laughs> <laughs> that's great um so for everyone the book will be linked in the episode description so you can have an easy access to that and thank you so much for your recommendation um, and welcome. coming back, well, to you, um, you went from being in finance to a very creative industry, online, being an online creator, which for some, it might be a big jump. I think it's like, on one hand, it's similar because you have to be, I mean, there's a lot of te technical aspects of being an online creator. And I think finance teaches you that. But then I think the way the industry looks and how it's structured, it's different. And I'm curious, what has that career change taught you about yourself and something that you never knew before and that you just thought, wow, I am this kind of person and I, I thought I am completely 
you know, different. That is really well phrased. I I think that the my main takeaway is that I really love um, facilitating other people's creative process. Like it brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction to know that, for example, with Multitude, I can take care of, you know, booking ads and getting people the right talking points and like invoicing the spot and like all the, you know, little details of just like having an office job. But I really enjoy that because I get to then say to all of my colleagues, here is a is a helpful spreadsheet with all the links you need. Record your ads. I'll pay you, you know, in 30 to 45 days. And like you get to go on with your life and focus on the thing you want to do, which is like making the podcast and running the community and all of that. And something that I feel really um, proud of about Multitude is, you know, we are truly like trying to be colleagues with each other as we all do our own thing. And like, that's a hard kind of uh, line to ride when like at a company you have colleagues, but you're not your own boss, right? Like you have a boss telling you what to do. If you're all kind of independent freelancers, you know, you are your own boss, but then, you know, where is that community? Like, who do you turn to for help? Who do you turn to to like ask a question or be like, hey, like Facebook has podcast episodes on it now. Like, are you doing that? You know, like, what do you do? Because so much about being a creator, exactly like you said, there are all kinds of like, little decisions that have a huge impact on your business, like basically every week, you know, a service will email you or some salesperson will reach out or like the platform you were using gets discontinued or changes and then you have to change. So, you know, you have to make a lot of choices that nobody kind of preps you for and there's no one to like turn to and ask a question. So being able to like provide that sense of, yes, we're all colleagues. Yes, we're all coworkers, but we are still all of our own bosses um, is like a, a thing that I wasn't exactly sure what I needed when I started Multitude, but that is really grown into what it is. Um, And that, you know, that brings me a lot of satisfaction. At the same time, I care a lot about what everyone thinks of me. And I think that um, constitutionally, (laughs) I think we all do do too. We don't want to, but I think we all do. I, I think I think you're completely right. And I think to a certain extent, that's true everywhere. Like I remember working in finance, I was always like so self-conscious about what I was wearing and like, am I fitting in and what do people in the elevator think of me? Um, all yeah. of that. And it's just kind of different now. But now, I mean, my, my you know, whole career is in public and like all the things I do at work all day long, um, you know, not all of them are out there, but the, the result of my work is um, and like deciding to add someone to the collective it's like a huge decision, you know, and like everybody, you know, who is in our audience uh, will see that. And hopefully it only like adds to, you know, and like makes them even happier about what we're doing and feel more a part of our community versus being like, oh, it's kind of out of left field. Like, why did that happen? So sort of having to think through, you know, what will everybody think about all of these moves? It really forces you to like take a stand and stand for it because you have to say like, okay, well, you know, I, I need to have the courage of my own convictions and know myself and my colleagues and my audience well enough to say like, yes, like this is a multitude thing, you know, this is right for this reason. And this is how we're going to like message it and and talk to people um, about it. So it's something that I'm not like perfect at yet, but I'm definitely trying to get better at. Um, So I'm not sure what the what the personal takeaway is. Maybe it's that like, you know, I I am way more insecure than I thought I was. (laughs) Um, But at least now I'm the kind of person where like, uh, I need to be sort of forced into doing things sometimes. Um, like I need to, you know, tell people I'm working on something and set a deadline for myself in order to do it on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, you know, I, I have a career where I, I need to be forced to kind of uh, ask myself those questions. And it is pretty high stakes, you know, if I if I do a good job yeah. or not. I think it takes guts. And I think even being aware that you are self-conscious and dealing with that fact 
is is already hard you know changing it and making yourself be less um not relying as much on you know validation is hard but i think just facing the fact that i do care what other people think i would like to not care but i do and i think already that is hard and even that is helpful yeah, I, I hope so. Um, and it also it also kind of requires you to say, like, what do I what do I want to like? How do I want to define myself? How do I want to uh, judge myself? And if I don't have, you know, like as a kid, you know, you look up to your parents, um, you know, if I'm not like trying to get my parents approval anymore, like wh- how do I judge if I did a good or bad job today? Like, how do I look yeah. back and say, you know, am I proud of myself and my conduct or not? Because I think that the difficult thing and the thing that many of us probably are hardwired to do is just be like, OK, well, if people like me, then I'm doing a good job, you know, or like if nobody says something bad about me, then I'm yeah. doing a good job. But that is not not necessarily true. And so I've had to say to myself, like, you know, how do I define success for me? Like, how do I know that I'm proud of myself? Um, what values do I want to hold? What do I want to accomplish every week or every month or every year? Uh, and it's, you know, it's a constant process. And I think particularly if you're feeling, you know, depressed or worried or, or anxious or sad, it's uh, it's kind of um, overwhelming sometimes to think about the future. But, you know, without a boss checking in every few months to be like, okay, what are you doing next in your career? Like, what do you want to do? You know, some of those things that we do at work, uh, are valuable. And so needing to to decide for myself what parts of a traditional workplace we're going to like bring into multitude and um, and into my own life and like how do you know, how do I borrow from school or workplaces or, you know, growing up and having house meetings or whatever, like what, what parts of that are useful and what can I bring into yeah. my life for myself, I think is kind of like a bigger adulthood kind of project that everybody um, gets to do. Yeah, I think being an online creator and being self-employed is people dream about it and it's something that they think it will be so great but i think it's harder than people think just managing your own time and choosing what you do on at what time you do it i think it all is it it is not as easy as people think and at some point you have to decide what kind of aspects of a normal, typical um, nine-to-five job you want to bring to it. Um, And at some point, it actually might look a lot like your corporate job. And sometimes people... I certainly had these moments where I've seen some people being like, you know, I'm quitting my nine to five and I'm being an online creator and I'm focusing on productivity and being effective and then I'm starting to have a team and then I have assistant and I have and basically they've created like just their own brand their own kind of corporation and their day looks pretty much the same as their and I was surprised by it but actually it makes sense and of course a nine to five is not perfect, but I th- a lot of these aspects are there for a reason, and that is probably helpful in a like in a brand like Multitude. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. Like we we learned early on, I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is this is why it's good to have meetings, you know, where I, you know, I made my first podcast with Julia, my best friend. The, the next one joined the party, our Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, I make with uh, now Julia, our friend Brandon and Eric, who I live with and, uh, you know, I'm dating as well. And so we're like, oh, right. All of us are talking all the time just as friends and partners, but it's good to like have a meeting once a month where we all sit down and get to think about the business and like think about the show and make decisions and stuff like that thought i know and and it's like i'm not reinventing the wheel here but sometimes being able to like borrow from you know what came before i'm like oh yes there's a reason why like millions of people around the world find this to be useful um and sometimes it's like you know things are silly and and you don't need it so it it is good to be able to kind of constantly sort of ask yourself like is this serving me or you know what do i hate and how do i either stop doing it or make it less uh less bad like all of us on all of the podcasts have traded duties a lot um you know like things i used to do that i wasn't you know good at or found frustrating or somebody else could do easier like we've changed jobs a bunch um just to be able to help uh you know each other kind of stay interested because making something online and for five years is like you know that's a long it's like dog years like doing doing internet projects kind of it's it's an accomplishment a lot of people quit you know after the first couple of months that's why there's so many podcasts that you know there are just like 10 or 15 episodes um so what would be your advice to the kind of people who are interested in turning their passion into a career, you know, maybe an online career and and being self-employed and and doing that jump, that big switch. I would say firstly, you are allowed not to make money from your hobby. And this is something I wish uh, more people knew, like I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're allowed not to turn your passion into a career. Um, You are allowed to think about, you know, how do I want to make money? What do I want to do with my time? And how do I want to make my, you know, artistic uh, soul or spirit feel fulfilled? And those three things don't have to come from the same source. Uh, And I was, you know, pretty happy doing podcasting along uh, alongside a day job um, for a long time. And it's only when I didn't physically have enough hours in the day to keep you know, the podcast business growing the way I wanted to and go to my day job or was starting to do a bad job, you know, at one of the two of those that I needed to make the switch. Uh, but it might be so like you're, you're allowed to kind of decide and design the life for yourself that you want to have. And if you want to be like super into your hobby and do it only for you and don't care about growth and don't care about, you know, finding community, like that's amazing. And I'm proud of you and do that. But if you do want to grow, you know, some project into something or you can only do it if it makes money, which I completely understand if you don't have enough time during the day, um, then, you know, think about, I think, community first and foremost, where there are there are kind of very few things in the world more powerful than uh, community. And as kind of, um, you know, flowery as that sounds and cliche as that sounds, like the reason I have a job is because people listen to our podcasts and care about them enough to talk to us, to email us, to tell people about it, to donate money in some cases, to listen to ads and buy the things that we talk about. Um, and none of those things is possible. Like none of the of the huge podcasters or radio stars that you hear about that make millions of dollars, you know, can do that without people who listen to them and care about them. And so I think, you know, expressing yourself 
uh, truthfully or making something that you love and that you really enjoy and think is valuable is so important because you can't manufacture authenticity. You know, like you can do a yeah. pretty good job. You can put a lot of strategy, you know, into designing what you're going to do and how yeah, to put it out the there. Today, people can tell. I think so. And particularly if you make shows like ours, which are, you know, conversational podcasts that are anchored on, you know, one or more people learning something, that is the appeal of it. Um, and, you know, that is something that is is hard to fake. Um, so when you're putting something out there, you know, ask yourself, like, why, why am I specifically doing this? Like, what am I doing that is different? Maybe it's, you know, you make a podcast that's a lot like other ones out there, but your focus or your perspective or the guests you talk to or, you know, the particular, like, take on the subject matter is a little bit different but like who would be really stoked to hear about the thing that you are making and how can you make something for them and with them um i think trying to like appeal to the broadest market possible is is impossible you know like you can never make something everybody will like period like yeah. no all people it's, don't it's like to to get you know comfortable with that idea but yeah not everyone will like you not everyone will like you. It is listen, you say that and and my and my brain is like, "No, please, but what if they all did?" Yeah, yeah, so like too. it's it's hard. It, it's a journey, you know, it's a journey, but the, yeah. the answer is like, you know, how do you how do you make something that some people are going to be really really excited to hear about? Um and then from there, you know, like on the Multitude website, we talk a lot about kind of finding your audience and and communicating with your community um and all kinds of like specific tips and tricks, but I think that's that's the main thing. Um is I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's like, you know, what can you and you alone make? Or what would you be yeah. really, really excited to find out exists? And how can you put that out there? Yeah, I think that's very helpful. Um, because there's a sea of content. I don't know what's... I forgot the statistic, but there is like a huge amount of hours of content produced, you know, on YouTube alone each day. And it's like, it's impossible to watch it. Yeah, even I think the content that is produced in an hour, um, it's like impossible to watch it you know, in a whole day or something like that. It's like a huge number and you have to kind of find a way to stand out of the crowd. And and speaking of that, when it comes to spirits, because I've been analyzing different shows. When I started the podcast, I have stopped listening just for pleasure and I've turned into like, I've picked, you know. And, oh and, yeah, and that happens. Just kind of saw what makes the podcast that I listen to work. And I think that one of the reasons why Spirits and also your other shows have been so successful, and that might be just my speculation, but I think that what has contributed to that is the fact that you have been very open about being queer and your sexuality, and you have made Spirits such a, you know, a lovely space filled with what I kind of call... Um, the queer magic, um, which I don't know, it's something that I say, I don't know, I think it's like something that it's really hard to replicate. And even though that I myself am straight, or that I know of, <laughs> um, every time I go to parties where most of the people are queer, there's this kind of vibe that you can tell on spirits or in those parties. And I think that that vibe and talking about your experience and being vulnerable because we all know no matter where you live being queer is 
hard and you have to face some difficulties. Um, but I am curious that have you ever had doubts, maybe at the beginning of the show, um, about you know be like having the queer label being permanently attached to the spirit show that people don't think about spirits it's the show about mythology um but also it's it's a show about mythology but it's also uh, to girls who who are queer and as much as i think that it's lovely to have that kind of representation um I, I don't know i've been just kind of maybe it's me just being a pussy but i am scared of kind of doing being political i don't know if it's even political but i'm just curious if you yeah. had any doubts like that no it, it's you're hitting on a, a topic that i think is is very um complex and the truth is that we weren't both out when we started spirits oh. and throughout the course of the podcast as we figured out what stories appealed to us and as we each you know we started the show when we were like 24 i think um and as we figured out ourselves better and came out um that is something that we kind of realized was really important to us and i think we didn't set out um trying to make a queer mythology podcast we in fact kind of started of more of like a feminist angle of like, you know, we're going to tackle first the story of Persephone and Hades, you know, and, and say why Persephone is a badass. Um, and, and kind of that's our, you know, our angle on it. But in making the show, we started to do more of the thing that made sense to us and that made us excited. Like Julia, you know, like that's the whole structure of the show. And I think that's a reason why one friend telling another friend about something they learned is such a great format, because like that's really compelling to listen to. And it's just like one of those parties that you're mentioning where like, you know, you go in and somebody is saying like, no, like, let me tell you why you know uh lord is actually you know the best pop star of our time like you know you you just want to it, it's infectious when somebody is saying something that they believe in um and so in talking about mythology and in julia you know finding stories that would appeal to me she knows me as a person she knows me and my interests and that means that you know the show is always going to be through it's not objective like it's going to be through the lens of what julia finds interesting and what she thinks is going to appeal to me and my comments are going to be based on my experience and a lot of the time you know me listening to her tell a story it's what comes up is like wow that reminds me of depression or wow you know we stand a uh a buff you know eight foot tall lady god um and it's just you know it's the kind of jokes that i make and the kind of lens that i have like the the material that we're sharing is not new right like we're, we're studying the stories that mean something to different societies around the world in some cases for millennia and so the thing that is new is why it's meaningful for us in particular and i think that's a, a good lesson for kind of creators of all kinds because you know you are not writing a textbook like you are never you know even textbooks are political even textbooks have an angle they have a mission they have an agenda you know yeah. there, there's no such thing as objective um creation or reporting like there's always something that you focus on there's always something you leave out so th the question is like how do you make something that is first and foremost fun for you and if you think about it a little bit more of a commercial angle you know people mm -hmm. want to tune in for enthusiasm like why do they tune into you specifically and you know in in our case it's fun for us to get to talk for an hour every week about you know ourselves and our lives and the things we find interesting and you know we're like like any friend the the more we know each other and kind of the more real we get the better and stronger that friendship is and we try to think of our audience as like you know another kind of member in the room and and how can we do things, say things, you know, have conversations, focus on stories that will help them know themselves, the worlds around them a little bit better too. I absolutely agree with everything. 
that you said. And I'm curious also, do you think, do you agree with me that you think that this has really been a big reason why um, the show has been so successful? Um, I think that for both Spirits and Join the Party, there are a lot of uh, people who are really excited to hear someone who is queer talking about this and participating in these stories. Um, in Join the Party's case, you know, both Julie and I are players, and then obviously on Spirits, um, we're the co-hosts. And it is, like, as a queer person, you know, you, you kind of always meet somebody. And if your queerness comes up, or if, like me, you know, you have, like, short hair and tattoos and, like, a lot of pins on your clothing <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, you kind of always have a question in the back of your mind of like is this person going to hate me off the bat are they safe to be around you know are they going to raise their eyebrow when I say you know partner instead of boyfriend or uh you know someone I dated in the past instead of like an ex um you know an ex-boyfriend specifically um and so it, it is it's exciting to go to a space and know that at least you won't be offended or like to know that it's not actively against you and then to have the next step of being like oh shit there's a non-binary character enjoying the party or like oh shit these hosts are talking about like you know women that they have crushes on um like it is just so thrilling and exciting and it's like three or four steps even beyond okay at, at least i'm safe here it's like oh shit like this is partly for me or i am maybe even specifically welcomed here um and it's just it's thrilling and exciting uh and i you know my my favorite thing to see from listeners is people saying like, wow, I never thought I would be welcome in, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons community, but Join the Party taught me how to play, you know, or like, wow, I, you know, I loved reading uh, mythology as a kid. I never got to talk about it. And so listening to Spears makes me feel like I have people to talk about it with if they don't have right. it. And Greek gods are so queer, like their whole, <laughs> they like, really what are. They do. It's like, oh my God, if you like pay attention, actually, and look at, I don't know, Apollo. Oh my God, he's so gay. Yeah, and one of our favorite um, episodes and one of our listeners' favorites is called Gender Fuck the Gods with my good friend Andrea Lamb. Um, we met at a queer speed dating event uh, here in New York City and became very good friends. Uh, and it's all about gender queerness um, and, you know, people being trans and gender fluid, gender queer, a gender throughout mythology. And again, it's just the examples we could fit into 45 minutes, but there are so many examples. And, you know, modern societies uh, in many, many cases are a lot more restrictive and policing and, you know, inventing and kind of upholding the gender binary um, or heteropatriarchy. So, you know, queerness is a lot older than uh, the rules telling us that that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I when I think about like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci and I think some of like a Greek, one of the Greek uh, philosophers, I don't remember right now which one, but it's like, let's not pretend that this is a new thing. And a lot of the kings and queens in history that you are learning about that they never got married maybe there's a reason and i think you know and let's not pretend that it is only you know in our species like when it comes to chimpanzees and 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 other primates like and also other species like homosexuality is something that is natural because it occurs in nature and I think that Yuval Noah Harari wrote that or said that in one of his interviews is that it's completely natural because that's because, you know, people say it's not natural because you don't preserve the species. But the thing is, sexuality doesn't have just one purpose and chimpanzees um, use sex to make, you know, political alliance between one another 
and sometimes one male and the other want to make a you know a political alliance and that's you know they have sex and that's completely normal and natural and let's not pretend that it's something that just happened in the 21st century And, you know, I think that's one of the things that kind of ties all the shows together in the Multitude Collective Um, and just like the people and collaborators and conversations that I find really important is like I am so fascinated by uh, what stories we hold up as examples and why society finds things important, you know, why certain stories have endured, why others were forgotten, and, you know, why why the um, the stories we tell each other have so much meaning. Uh, and that's something that I find just endlessly fascinating to think and talk about. And to kind of return to your earlier question about, you know, is it, is it, uh, are you fearful about doing that? Uh, the answer is like, it's so much more fun when only cool people are left. And it's so much more fun when you get to, you know, describe your show as a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore than, you know, all of the stodgers who just want to like to, to, you know, have like dry discussions about like these certain gods for whatever society. This is not, this is not for you, you know, and, and in any internet project, I think it's important to kind of let your, you know, your branding and your, um, the way that you talk about yourself and what you're making, you know, should be as accurate as possible. And something that we kind of had to figure out as we've gone on in the last five or six years is like, you know, originally, I think the tagline for spirits was just like, you know, mythology and folklore or something like that. And it's like, uh, no, it's, you know, two best friends having a drink, talking about mythology and folklore, getting weird, mm-hmm. talking about death, talking about gay gods. Like that is that is what it is. Um, and that is so much more fun because the you know majority of people might see it and be like, meh, not for me. But when somebody sees it and goes like, oh, fuck, yes, like that is the listener that I want, you know, like that's the person yeah. who I want in our community. And so, you know, tr- don't don't try to kind of downplay the things that make you weird or think that, you know, your particular interests um, are a liability. Like that is what makes you you. And I think returning as well to kind of the the sort of like, you know, going from a day job to a to an online creator career, you know, I I only am able to do the job I have because I worked in finance at a university and at a startup, like doing the particular things that I did. And at the time, I was really worried that my resume looked kind of scattershot, you know, and that like it it would look like, you know, it look, look weird to go from finance to working back at my alma mater, whatever. Um, but the fact is like, all of those experiences added up to be like the Venn diagram of me and my professional skills. And like no one else has the resume to be like a, you know, business manager and salesperson for a bunch of independent podcasters. Like it's just me because I'm the only person with my particular experiences that added up to where I am now. And like that should be, you know, all the bizarreness in your Venn diagram. If you are a, you know, ex-doctor turned like vintage salesperson who also in college was in like the AV club and now wants to make short films, you know, about like whatever, like that is only you. And that is the weirdest, coolest, most like marketable way that you can think about being a creator. Absolutely. I think I recently stumbled upon that, you know, you know, everyone knows the expression, jack of all trades, master of none, but not a lot of people realize that it is not the full expression. And it's actually um, jack of all trades, master of none, but still so much better than the master of one. Um, and I think that absolutely, I am, I mean, I admire um, experts, but I am myself a generalist. I love all things, everything from, you know, astrophysics to 
podcasting and sitting and making <laughs> you know reading about legends and doing weird completely you know different things who for some people might be like opposite things that kind of exclude one another but i i think right now in this world where there are so many of us and like sure experts when it comes to you know doctors or or architects are important but i think most of us being generalists it that is important because you know we're moving like not to be like too kind of predicting the future but we are moving into a workspace where a lot of you know positions are going to be robots and you can teach ai to do one thing and the thing that makes us different from ai is that we can do a lot of different things um at once and we can combine our experiences together and i'm sure that what makes you such a great ceo and podcaster is that you have so much experience in finance and without that it would be hard to make this you know the startup and and i think your knowledge in in finance has probably helped you a lot with that it has yeah thank you and you know i started out feeling very insecure about the fact that i you know never worked at npr like i've never had a job in audio i've never had a job in media um and mm. when i was starting you know when we started spirits i emailed a bunch of podcast networks and was like hey like i'm starting the show are any of you interested obviously they were not um and so all of the skills that i started learning and that julia and all my other colleagues started learning as well you know we learned to do things for ourselves because nobody taught us um and so that that was originally because like, oh, well, you know, I guess we're not cool enough. I guess no one cares. Um, we'll just like figure out how to do it for ourselves. But now that means that, you know, we know how to learn. We know how to ask ourselves what's important. We know how to, you know, look to experts and, you know, trade with friends. And now that we have like a business, you know, we can bring in professionals to help with the things that we don't know how to do. And at the end of the day, like that makes us much stronger um, because now, you know, there are people at NPR and at, you know, Spotify and kind of at those big businesses that I used to apply to who are saying like, wow, it's so cool that you guys are doing this on your own. Um, and, you know, the the sort of tables like, have who, turned a little bit. We're like now? Well, we have things to teach them and they have things to teach us. And I think the point of the story is not like, oh, I ended up being, you know, being better or being good, which like, I'm just glad that I have a job, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's, you know, it is all the things that made us different and distinct that um, ended up being a strength. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're different and if you have something new to offer, that does not have to be a bad thing. Um, and I know it's much easier said than believed, but I, I promise looking back or looking forward, you know, there will be ways in which your failures even end up really being useful to you and making you uniquely qualified to, you know, do the life or have the perspective or do the job that you're doing. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, your experience in finance, I have loved all of your advice uh, on spirits when it comes to right the, the finance and now Thank you. I think you you know what you're doing with um oh my god I forgot the name advice from folklore I think that's the new series yes. that you have yeah um which I love that you are giving advice through you know the words of of different spirits and gods and. If you could give us some 
you know, financial advice now. Um, I'm curious what, in your opinion, are the most common misconceptions about finance and all that kind of stuff that we we pretend that we know, but then it's kind of like 401k, like what? Um, <laughs> so what are the common uh, misconceptions, in your opinion, that most frustrate you and also are the most harmful to to the ones that hold uh, them? Yeah, it's uh it's pretty it's pretty amazing how much of the financial system is just kind of made up. Um like my main takeaway from working in finance is like, oh, this is a system where it is designed so that everyone needs it and it's really hard to know what's going on and banks make money from people making mistakes so if you've ever you know had an overdrawn checking account or got charged a fee that you didn't know was a fee or like missed a payment on a credit card uh or you know whatever that that's not because you're silly or or should have known better it's because that's how the system is designed like banks don't make money from you just like having money in the bank and then taking it out when you need it and like going on with your life they make money from you making mistakes and from you using you know doing things that make them give you fees credit cards don't just yeah, they want make you money to do these mistakes yeah like credit card companies don't get rich by you just like making you know using a credit card and paying it off on time they get rich from late fees and so the the biggest misconception is that like i think almost everybody feels like i should know this right or like how do other people know this or like how did i not get this or like how am i so bad at this and the answer is like the system is operating how it was supposed to and you are doing you are hmm, it's not your fault. It's how the system wants it to be. And so anytime that you can like sit back and say and like ask a person or ask a banker or watch a YouTube video and just be like, hey, how does a bank make money? Like that is awesome. That is a win. Good for you. So many people never ask that question. Or if you Google like, hey, you know, how exactly what is interest rate? Like what is APR? What is a credit card versus debit card? Like none of those is a deficiency of yours. It's you being curious and digging further into a system that makes money off of being too complicated for the average person to understand. Um, so I only know these things because I worked in the system and I managed interns who went to classes that explained things like this, you know, and like I, I had lunch with people and was like, hey, like literally, what is your job? Like, what does that mean? You know, and it, I, I felt silly sometimes and I felt like I should know better. But I, you know, I, I had the chance to work on the inside and kind of learn about what all those terms and differences are. And even I still don't understand a lot. So it's it's not something like it has a lot of shame caught up with it. We haven't even touched on like <laughs> generational poverty, you know, and like how how whole countries and financial systems and like it's not just about a knowledge gap. It's about, you know, the, the less you have, the harder it is to get ahead. So anyway, none of this is your fault. This is how it's supposed to be. And, you know, find somebody who you can ask questions to and don't feel bad about it because, you know, we're all kind of starting from scratch here. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of podcasts or nice YouTube channels that ha can help you with um, with that basic knowledge. And I mean, we I, I think we all want to get into investing and we all say like, I want to be like Warren Buffett. I'm going to start investing early and we say that we're going to invest this year and then we're going to invest next year and then it goes. I mean... I'm just speaking about my own experience. I hope that it's not yours, but 
yeah i think these kind of things this knowledge can be for some people life saving and it's yeah you're right you're right there is like a reason why we don't know these things because the system works on the fact that we don't yeah and like again like banks and hedge funds and you know all of the all of the people that like sell stocks they don't make money when you make money they make money when you when you sell stuff when you do transactions like imagine if at the mall they didn't make money on items they made money on like the number of times you came in like they would make it really hard or make it as if like oh my god like you just missed this like oh my god come in now you know like oh, a flash sale today only like there's all kinds of tactics that people and businesses and banks use to make you think that you're missing out like all of finance makes money if you have constant FOMO about investing uh, and the truth is, like, if what you're doing is paying your bills, saving a little bit of money, you know, knowing how much you have and how much you have to spend and making decisions based on how much money you know you have to spend, like, you are ahead of the game. And, you know, don't don't be worried. Like, don't say yes to something if you don't understand what it is. Don't buy a stock because you feel like you have to buy a stock. Like, honestly, the, you know, you are doing something kind of, like, revolutionary and uh, counter-capitalist by just keeping your money and putting it in a savings account, you know, or like, or like keeping it in your checking account. Um, and, and don't worry too much, like save up a little bit of money. If you have enough money sitting around that you're like, holy shit, what do I do with all this money? Like then great, you know, like talk to somebody and like have, have the next step, but you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, put money on a credit card to buy a stock or something because, uh, you know, banks, banks don't make it easy or simple. If there's a super easy way to make money, everyone would do it and then it wouldn't work anymore. So, you know, don't, don't worry too much. I love that advice. I think it's very helpful and, you know, all of the things that are, you know, going on right now with the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and the stock market. I know, PayPal is trying to sell me Bitcoin. There's like a lot of pressure, I think, to, to like Bitcoin, like how it works and all the kind of, oh my God, like it's, there's, I think this kind of advice is really helpful and like the, the pressure, I think it's it's so much and it's not healthy. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's really hard to resist when like publications are just kind of uncritically repeating the same information. Um, but the the point like you're allowed to resist advertising. And, you know, if, if you see like PayPal isn't offering you Bitcoin because they're nice, they're offering it to you because they make money on it, you know, and like people on the Internet are speculating about, you know, the price of Bitcoin, not because it's a public service, but because like it's buzzy, people click on the title and then feel FOMO and then buy it. And then the price, you know, goes up or down. So like, don't worry about it. It's okay. Save money. If you have questions, tweet to me. Um, <laughs> and like, there's always going to be something else. Like you did not miss your one chance to get rich. I promise you there's always something else. Yeah. I think this kind of reassurance is very helpful these days. Um, I also want to talk about your experience, I guess, uh, with therapy and mental health because I know that you have been very open about that on your show and on your YouTube channel and I also think that it's also what I mean again vulnerability I think and authenticity online and in any everywhere I think it's attractive and I think that's also one of the reason why spirits has been um, again successful um, and I think even though Right, therapy is becoming less of a taboo topic, which I mean, thank God that it is. Um, but I still think that there are a lot of people who don't make that kind of commitment or investment because of 
their misconceptions or, or because of the price or because of their own fear of facing, you know, their own mental health problems, which I think for me that has definitely been a big um, part of it, to be honest. Um, but from listening to your experience, it sounds like you had a lot of good things that came out of you, you know, therapy. Um, so can you talk about how it has helped you and to all of the listeners who are hesitant about starting therapy, uh, what would you say to encourage them? Yeah, I would say that it is not a cure-all, but it also does not mean something bad about you. And just like if you had a pulled muscle or a broken bone or a cold that wouldn't go away, you go to the doctor and, you know, take their advice or try medication or do physical therapy. You know, it's it's the same thing with your mind. And for me, you know, going to therapy, um, using antidepressants, uh, doing things in my life, you know, being open with my friends and family members and taking their advice and knowing that they'll, you know, be looking out for me as well. And if I'm I'm stubborn and don't want to, you know, uh, ask for help, that sometimes they will insist on it. Like that has all been really useful for me. But I also, you know, am like 10 years into this journey and don't have it down, you know, 100%. It's a kind of constant practice of um trying to take care of myself. And I think overall, kind of the main advice is like, some people are happy when they wake up every day. And uh, I, that was a thought that I didn't think was real. Like some people don't uh, stay up all night worrying about things that they did a long time ago. Um, and there, there is better available for you. And I just literally did not know, like, what, what do you mean everybody doesn't feel this way? You know, and like not to get into anything too, too detailed. Um, just for for people in case they're not kind of prepared for that but like you know the things that you find challenging or or kind of make you wonder like god how does everybody do this like maybe they're not maybe they don't feel that way and there are a lot of people out there who are available to help you um and that resource that i mentioned the upward spiral workbook uh was really useful for me uh particularly with depression and being like hey you know you might think all these things but you know here's just a few things you can try try it once if it doesn't work come back to me email me you know i will tell you like the the author was kind of having that tone of like listen i know you think it's silly try it you know i i dare you and i was like okay fine i'll try it uh, okay yes i i do feel better when i stretch you know when i'm feeling down um so it's it is uh something that i wish was more normalized and at least in my upbringing it definitely wasn't um but it's you know nobody nobody teaches you how to do it you can't just like do all the things well enough and then you're going to feel good like you know there's there's all kinds of reasons why um you know outside help uh a variety changing your routine or the help that you get or medication or going in and out of therapy like all of this is all so so normal and even if things are going well in your life and you can't point to anything in particular that doesn't mean that you can still benefit from you know people helping you out so it's uh i don't have all the answers but i do know that it's worth trying and that you deserve to yeah. you know feel good in your day at least a little bit and when it comes to starting therapy and choosing where to go or which kind of therapy, because I think there are a lot of different ones. What would you say to all of these people who decide, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of it. That's going to be my my resolution for for the next, I don't know, year or so. Uh, what 
the first kind of step or would you say it's is how how to how to start I think that's really specific to your area. So Googling your country or province or state or city um, would be a really good place to start. Um, and certainly in different places, you know, therapy might be um, not economically possible for everyone, or maybe it's not safe for you to access it, depending on, you know, if you still live at home and, and how your family feels, all kinds of stuff. Um, so if you have a school or an employer or a state with uh, socialized medicine, um, I would say, you know, reach out to the, to the institutions that are there to to help you. I started therapy when I was in college at the like free, you know, student wellness center um, on campus. Uh, and now I use like a, a telehealth app. Um, so like a, you know, a, a therapy app um, because during COVID, you know, wasn't able to go in person to therapy. And also it's even New York City, even it's very, very hard to find a therapist who, uh, you know, is taking new patients and is not like $400 an hour. Um, So it's challenging and it's specific, but the kind of overall advice I think is that, you know, it may take you a few tries to find somebody who you think is useful. And you might go there and be like, hey, um, I feel really anxious and awkward about being here because I'm not really sure what to ask for. And it's a good thing to say that because then the person can say, you know, they can help you through that. Um, and just being as, as honest as you possibly can, you know, they're, they're there, like they, they only get to help you with the things that you bring to them, you know, and you are doing something pretty momentous by like asking for much less, like taking the active steps to go and seek help. So listen, even if therapy is not in the cards for you right now, doing something as simple as, you know, sitting on your stoop for five minutes each day and, you know, taking some time in the sunshine and trying to relax and breathe or writing down in your phone one thing you're grateful for every night. Like it it doesn't have to cost any money or take any time or be even that strenuous um, or just taking a few deep breaths when you start getting, you know, anxious or sad. Um, There are none of these things will fix everything. You know, none of it is going to be the, the one size fits all. But it's you committing to something and trying to make yourself feel a little better and make life a little nicer for yourself. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's so lovely. I think there are ways that you can get therapy without getting therapy. Um, and I, I mean, I probably those are just excuses, but I have different reasons why I have no. Um, I had some experience with therapy, but not much. And but I think one of the reasons was that I I have mental health practices that help me, like meditation or or yoga. Which, if you don't have any one any kind of therapy, or it's like it's so expensive, and it's absolutely okay to find your own way of taking care of your mental health if it's journaling or if it's right the gratitude journal i think those are very helpful um and i think sometimes reading and kind of escaping even though it might seem counterproductive i think sometimes those kind of myths and legends if it's spirits or if it's just your books it's also very helpful. Um, and also speaking of that, I'm going to segue into my question, which, you know, you've been talking about myths and legends and different, you know, folklore for so long. You know probably a lot about them and those different mythical creatures. Um, and I'm curious, do you have any like favorite ones or, you know, ones that you keep coming back to or ones that you can relate to the most or or stories that you just that make you feel 
better when you have these kind of times where you kind of don't feel like doing anything in particular. Yeah, I am really charmed by house spirits. And there are there's basically a house spirit in every um, tradition. The one that I think might be most recognizable to people is the Domovoy um, from Russian uh, and some Slavic folklores. And uh, that idea of like, you know, there is there is a, a way that you can, you know, thank your environment and take care of your home and thank your home for being there for you. Um, whether that's like literally leaving an offering of like milk or bread, you know, to the house spirit or um, saying hello to the spirit when you enter a new dwelling or inviting the spirit to come with you when you move somewhere new um, or the I'm obsessed with bees. Um, and there's a tradition of uh, telling the bees when somebody dies and like informing the bees of what's happening in your community and like, the you know, the stuff that's going on in your life um, as just like a, a practice for taking time to like think about and to make your life and your home a little bit happier and a little bit easier for yourself. Um, for me, when I, you know, when I'm kind of getting, you know, depressed or, or having a harder um, mental health time, always kind of like doing one little thing, a little act of kindness toward myself to make my environment a little better uh, always helps me out. Whether that's like having a snack I really like, you know, uh, using a blanket that's really soft, um, you know, laying in bed for those extra 10 minutes when I want to, you know, when I know I need to get up, but I'm like, you know what, I'm just really damn going to enjoy these 10 minutes um, or, you know, looking like taking care of my plants and just kind of, it, it's like, it's a, an act of kindness toward myself, just like I would make my house look nice to have guests over, you know, I can do that for myself as well. Um, and that's just, again, my particular thing. Maybe when you're, you know, you have other needs and when you're feeling down, you do not have time for your house. That's totally fine. Um, but for me, you know, I am very much like a, a homebody and I love, you know, you're such a, you know, Demeter fan. Yes, like, uh, exactly. You know, yeah. Like you are, you know, Persephone's sister and you two are mom, mommy's Demeter. I feel like I'm a, I've, when I was a kid, I've been like into Artemis a lot. And she was like, you know, this kind of independent oh, woman yeah. with her bow in the forest. And that has been like my role model. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, listen, again, these stories are amazing. And these stories persist because people find them to be, you know, interesting or instructional or really scary or usually some combination of all of those. So just sort of thinking about like, man, like, why do people find this significant? It's just such an interesting way to like realize that we're not alone and our experience is not unique, you know, and like human beings have been asking big questions and coming up with like silly stories and trolling each other with memes and folklore for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it you know, it just comes back to, again, the things that we think we are so different right now in the 21st century with um, depression or with sexuality or with the things that we struggle with. Actually, those things have been with us through ages. And it actually, I love reading about neuroscience and neurobiology and understanding that this these things that seem you know the fear and the anxiety that i feel and the fear the just being overwhelmed that it actually makes sense it comes from a part of my brain and when i'm angry it's you know just because you know my amygdala and it all makes sense and yeah and i don't it kind of brings me comfort that it's just a chemical reaction at the end of the day and I can control it. 
Yeah, I can, you know, I'm not the person who made this up, but I find it really useful to thank my anxiety. I'll be like, hey, like, thank you for helping me make sure I don't repeat mistakes, you know? Like, thank you for emphasizing to me how we can do better next time. Like, wow, I, I, you know, when I look at it in a positive lens, like when I am worried about what other people think of me, I'm like, wow, I really want to make sure I do right by people. Like, wow, I, it's really important to me that people know they can count on me. And so, you know, when I miss a deadline and get really anxious about it, it's like, okay, wow, like I, you know, I really respect my coworkers and want to make sure I come through for them. And, you know, I don't always have the wherewithal to do that. But when I can sort of like take an anxiety and reframe it as like, thank you, brain, we don't need to do this right now, you know, but like, I see what you're doing. It, it, trying to talk to myself like I talk to a friend um, makes me a little more compassionate. And again, I am successful at this about, you know, 20% of the time, maybe. Uh, But it's a, it's a useful thing to try to uh, fold into your practice if you also have a lot of anxiety. Yes, I am so going to try that. I mean, it's so helpful. I mean, I heard about it, I think somewhere that you have to befriend your fear um, right. And when you are in, a, in meditation that you are aware of how the fear feels in your body and you meditate and you get used to that, I think I read a book that the author said that. And then it is as if you become a friend with your fear and every time you feel it, it's as if you're, you know, welcoming it with open arms and saying, hello, my friend. And I found that so beautiful because fear has become such a, you know, dark character that we are saying is the worst. And we are saying that it's all because of the fear. And actually, there are a lot of positive traits. And sometimes fear is just like a compass. Um so yeah, I think Yeah, or when we when we feel helpful. big feelings, it's um it means that something's important to us. And for me, like even feeling grief, you know, it's it's like wow, that was really important to me. And I'm feeling this so big because this did mean so much to me. Um or when I am anxious or when I feel panic or like oh shit, like did I just fuck this up? It's like no, like I this is really important to me. Like I really care about, you know, doing a good job or being reliable or, you know, coming through or learning from my mistakes and things like that. Um and all of the times that I tell myself, you know, I should be better or I should have known, you know, or should do this. <laughs> I'm trying to hold myself to a high standard, you know, and like that is that is why, again, I try to reframe and something that therapy is useful at just to give you a specific like I can share it with my therapist and then she can say like, you know, she can tell me, well, what if you reframe that as a positive, you know, or like what if somebody said that to you at work? What would you say back to them? I'd be like, OK, well, I would say like, don't take it too hard. It's not a huge deal. It shows that you are trying to be really reliable, you know, and, and kind mm-hmm. of um, say it that way, just like literally having the vocabulary words to talk back to my own brain um, because you know we don't come with user manuals unfortunately so it is a you know again don't feel ashamed that you don't know how to deal with your own stuff like I am still at 29 you know figuring out how to not be super uncomfortable feeling negative feelings <laughs> and like that is a project that I'm sure is gonna continue yeah and then you know taking your own advice I think is so helpful like there has been a study in psychology that we actually, when we advise people how to deal with their problems, it's actually very helpful to us because we are more creative and we're more compassionate towards others than we are to ourselves. And I am so great when it comes to giving advice with the podcast. It's like I can give advice, you know, just all the time, but I am not as great at taking my own advice. And I guess that's something that I... I'm working on with, uh, you know, listening sometimes. I 
it's embarrassing but I sometimes listen to my own episodes to be like Julia you know you know this do it actually I do the same thing I listen to my own episodes sometimes um, I used to watch a lot of my own YouTube videos just to kind of in moments when I was feeling like kind of disconnected from myself or my goals to be like no look I am a person who can give advice you know who can like say things who does things <laughs> who has an opinion who can make stuff and that is extremely normal but I think it's so exciting that you're kind of doing all of these projects in public and that you are learning in public being vulnerable yourself you know documenting your journey and kind of telling others what you're finding and you know your failures are as important if not more than your successes because it shows other people that it is okay to try and not get it the first time yeah absolutely and like you said keeping the the scrapbook of your own successes to kind of look back to and feel great when sometimes you just feel down I think so too our brains are very good at reminding us of all the things we do wrong so you might as well kind of hack yourself a little bit and make it easier to remember things you do right this has been so lovely. I have absolutely loved this conversation and I hope, I think, it can be helpful to a lot of people. Uh, always, you can always let me know what you think on Instagram or using our email. It's all in the episode description. Also, thank you so much, Amanda, for coming and sharing your experiences and your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. Thank you for reaching out for advice via Multitudes Free Consulting. And if anybody out there is a member of an underrepresented group in audio and you're making a podcast or want to or have a creative career and could benefit from from some advice uh, from me or my colleagues or to check out my podcasts and all the resources that Multitude has to share, our website is multitude.productions. Yes, and every kind of link when it comes to Amanda's Twitter or Instagram, if you want to, that all will be linked in the episode description. So definitely go check that out. I think it's She's So Mickey. That's that's, that's right. That is the YouTube channel I made when I was 15 and grabbed all of my social handles. <laughs> but where, where that comes from, I'm curious. I was one of many people named Amanda uh, at my high school, and my last name starts with MC. So uh, my oh, nickname was Mickey. Okay. Yes. Okay, makes sense, I guess. Nothing to do with Disney, but again, I if yeah. I was branding myself for the first time, knowing what I know now, I would do something different. But now I can just thank my younger self for uh, for leaning so hard and at least getting the same name across all my platforms. That was convenient. Yeah, that's convenient. You don't have to think. I am. I am an overthinker and I hate making decisions. So I think sometimes if my past self makes a decision, I'm just going to stick with it. Even if it's not yeah. the greatest, you know, it's great. I don't have to think about it anymore. What's done is done. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And I'll speak to you soon. Oh my God, what a boss. And such a great source of advice. Oh, I loved this interview so much. And like I said, go check out all Multitude shows like Spirits or Join the Party, which are hosted by Amanda, but also Meddling Adults, which is a whodunit game show for charity, or Next Stop, which is an audio sitcom about, you know, your mid to late 20s where everyone is changing around you and you worry that you might not catch up. I really love these shows and I think it's great to listen to them because you are supporting creators that truly care about their audience and are not just, you know, fighting for the downloads and, I don't know, selling out. They're actually great people. 
all very down to earth and yeah so that's gonna be also my recommendation uh, for uh, this episode um so yeah that was my conversation with amanda and now i want to talk about my insight of the week which is a segment we have here on the being better podcast in which i talk about something that i realized last week or something peculiar that happened to me or something that i read about which i found particularly relatable you know you get the jazz and this week i want to share about my experience with micro meditations so Like I said in the past episodes, my journey with meditation was rocky, I would say. I sometimes struggle with consistency now because I am using the podcast to keep myself accountable and I had an episode about why I struggled with meditation and how I want to fight it. Now I think that practice is a bit more consistent. However, I still think there's room for improvement. And the thing that I realized um, a couple of days ago is that even if I forget to do my meditation in the morning, I believe so much in the part of micro meditations and not because I just, just want to get it done and I take five minutes to meditate and just do it to cross it off the list. No, I mean micro meditations that are supposed to help me throughout the day when I'm stressed or when I'm anxious or when I'm angry and I when I just need to control my emotions I found that these micro meditations where you just you know leave the room where you are having a fight with someone and you go to your own room close the doors and sit and meditate for a couple of minutes just in the middle of the day I feel like this is so so helpful and I I read a book I think by Dalai Lama a while ago and he wrote there that instead of doing this you know one hour long or two meditation what he recommends is that you take these micro meditations and sprinkle them throughout your day and they might be, you know, five minutes or seven minutes or three minutes and do a couple of them throughout your day. And he says that, for example, you can do it when you're brushing your teeth or when you are commuting or when you are, I don't know, eating, you can do walking meditation. And he says that the results are much better when you are doing these micro meditations instead of, you know, just spending two hours in the morning and and doing that meditation. What he says is better is right, those micro meditations. And I definitely agree with that because basically when you are meditating in the morning, for example, you are in a, you know, this nice, relaxed, aware mindset where everything is great and you're feeling like a monk but you are only feeling that in the morning and then you go start your day and the hustle and bustle starts and you kind of get out of that mindset however if you do these little practices consistently throughout your day you don't get out of that mindset and the whole day you are aware and the whole day you are relaxed and the whole day it's hard to kind of make you overwhelmed or stressed so I realized that actually on the day that I had this interview with Amanda the day was pretty stressful because a lot of things were just going wrong and I am preparing for another trip and I was trying to get that sorted and my 
I don't know why I, I booked like three Airbnbs and one was canceled. Then I booked another one. The other one was canceled. And then another one was canceled as well. And that was pretty stressful. And also there was st- stuff happening, you know, with my friends and stuff that, you know, just in my private life, you know, things are not always going great. And I was just so stressed. And also I had this amazing interview that I had to prepare for. And I was also, I mean, I wasn't really stressed about that, but I was excited and I wanted to do well and I wanted to prepare and I didn't have time. And I was supposed to meet my friend to kind of talk about the details of our trip and she was late and I was afraid that I'm not going to be able to make it to the interview. And there were so many things and I just decided that I cannot go on like this. And when my friend left, I just sat down, did that micro meditation and it helped me so much. Well, all I did is literally I just sat down with my legs crossed, but that is absolutely not mandatory. And I just listened to my breath and I tuned in into my feelings. I paid attention to how that anxiety and stress feels. And I became aware that a lot of the things that I'm stressed about actually are not that important and are not worth stressing over. And also I reminded myself that I am a big fan of stoicism and therefore when things are not up to me where when there are things that I cannot control I should not be worried or anxious or angry about these things because there's just no point so that is my insight that instead of doing long meditation in the morning or in the evening I think what's more effective and what's gonna influence your whole mindset and your whole life more than than doing this one big practice are those micro meditations so maybe that was a bit random but i hope that this insight might be of help to you too thank you so much for listening to this whole episode let me know on instagram or via email what you think let me know what you think about the things that we talked about with amanda and ask me questions that is all welcome and i love all of your messages that is all linked in the episode description and yes at the end i just want to say thank you i want to say that you are so gorgeous and keep doing what you're doing whatever it is that you are trying to work on right now or the habits that you're trying to build keep doing what you're doing i know it's sometimes hard and as cheesy as it sounds please don't give up because I know that you are making improvement as with my meditation the journey is not the easiest but I think it will all get better so go make yourself a warm cup of tea take a blanket get some rest and then just face all of the things that you are struggling with right now you are lovely and I'll speak to you very very soon by Julia Spohr. 
If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the episode description or by just searching Being Better Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one and the best one is just to tell your friends and your family about the show, tell them why you enjoy it and why they might enjoy it as well. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps with the algorithm and that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.